Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 213 of the Tutor Podcast, the weekly show that's all about how to start, grow and love your tutoring business while staying relatively sane and having a boatload of fun in the process. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about something that I use day in, day out. I can't take a lot of credit for it, but I'll tell you where I got it from. The idea is how I teach guitar. It's a four-step process with one underlying principle. And it's an idea I found in Christopher McDougall's 2009 best-selling book, Born to Run, subtitled A Hidden Tribe, Super Athletes and the Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen. Now, the book itself for me was a life-changer because I can now run up to marathon distance. Whereas before I discovered the book and Chris's TED talk, then I could run about half a mile before my knees were intolerably painful. Anyway, the idea is easy, light, smooth, and fast. The underlying principle is make everything you do fun. Now, the idea originated with McDougall's running coach, a guy called Eric Orton. Uh, he got Chris running a 50-mile trail race in spite of his busted-up legs and a string of running injuries. Now, Eric didn't mention fun, but to me that's a massive measure for everything. So I stuck it on the end of the scheme and then realised that it actually underpinned everything. So when I'm teaching guitar, I aim to follow that sequence with students. And I guess you can do this with almost anything. As a guitar guitar teacher, as a guitar teacher, the first thing I want to do for anyone is make it easy. Because if that's all they ever get out of working with me, that's a pretty good outcome. The second thing is to make it light. Because that will take the physical effort away from it and that will make easy even better. The thing I want to do is make it smooth with about 15 O's in it. Smooth. And if I can do that in a sort of Barry White kind of voice, then it's even better. And when it's smooth, then everything flows naturally. And when it's easy, light and smooth, it's going to be fast because you have a system that is so familiar and so easy, performed with minimal effort. There is minimal internal resistance and tension. So there's no physical drag, there's no friction, and there's nothing to slow you down. And then underneath all of that, there's fun. Because if it ain't fun, the student won't want to do it. And I'll get fed up of teaching it. Because I get fed up of doing anything that isn't fun. There are better ways to spend my time and better ways 
for them to spend their time. Is that true? Or is it just true? So how does it all work, specifically for guitarists? This might be a bit technical, but see if it can nick any good ideas from this and apply it to what you do. Step one, make it easy. Use simple ideas, shapes and forms which regenerate and repeat themselves. If you have something which is inherently complex, it's more difficult to implement. It's the idea of Occam's razor, the philosophical idea that the best solution to any problem is the one with the fewest steps and least complexity, named after a guy called William of Ockham. And it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Next thing I like to do is use movable chord shapes, which can be used anywhere on the neck. Not location-specific ones with lots of awkward different fingerings. This is something that strikes me as common sense, although it's the opposite of what most people do. I like to use closed patterns for scales, and I use as few of them as possible with minimal overlap and redundancy initially for maximum coverage with the bare minimum input from the student. And I like to do all of that by using simple, familiar music that the students themselves know and love. And if that makes it easy for them, that's pretty good. I've lost count of the hundreds and hundreds of guys who've been wrestling with the guitar and just fighting it the same way I was for donkey's years. Thinking that it was complex and difficult and maybe the preserve of a talented few. Nothing could be further from the truth. So anyway, step two is to make it light. The minimization of physical effort is vitally important. So make sure that the player has got the guitar in the proper position relative to the body. I've lost count of the number of YouTubers and self-appointed guitar gurus who say that you can have the guitar in pretty much any position relative to the body that you like. This is bogus. And it could only be a statement made by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, doesn't understand physiology and the way the body moves. There is such a thing as biomechanically correct technique. And I cover that from day one. This is a non-negotiable. If you're not teaching biomechanically correct technique, you shouldn't be teaching. Period. It's like teaching someone to drive, but never mentioning that they can adjust the seats, the mirrors, the steering wheel to make the driving experience more comfortable and neglecting to show them how to take the handbrake off. It really is that important. Everything is biomechanics. If your biomechanics are correct, you're going to use minimal correct force. Excessive force will actually detune the guitar, detune the string on contact, and make sure the instrument doesn't play in tune. You end up with sore fingers as well, and the whole playing till your fingers bleed is just moronic. It's a cliche propagated by idiots and drongos. Playing till your fingers dance and glide is a far better idea. So 
this extends to all aspects of the guitar with you know pick technique be gentle be gentle when you contact the string if you whack the string into the middle of next week the string will go hysterical it will not play in tune as it responds to that initial transient of tension so everything is predicated on making contact with the instrument light and interfacing the body correctly with it Okay, step three, make it smooth. Because you start to use biomechanically correct technique and minimal force. The muscles, especially the, the grosser muscles of the upper and forearm, they'll be very soft, very relaxed, which means that they won't jerk and jump and throw around the bones in your arms, which are long levers which amplify the muscular contraction and its effects. I always use the phrase with my students, play with soft hands. Use an easy up and down picking pattern for a more even, smoother rhythm and a more natural accent or dynamic pattern. And when you're smooth, when you glide between positions, when you have minimal force and minimal drag, your articulations, your slides, the so-called hammer-ons and pull-offs, which I personally think are misnomers, string bending, etc. They all become pretty much effortless fluid. They all contribute. They all contribute to a more engaging and mellifluous sound. Smooth again, and then fast. Step four is going fast. It's not something I encourage students to go for initially. In the same way, I wouldn't encourage my son to drive the car fast when he's barely got control of it at two miles an hour and he's learning. Because we've spent time installing easy patterns, easy routines with minimal force, and maximum smoothness. Those routines will run almost automatically. Those easily executed, highly systematized routines and the shapes associated with them are simply executed more rapidly and more accurately than anything that's awkward, haphazard, chaotic or convoluted. They're more deeply embedded habits than randomized movements trying to produce the same output. There's therefore less processing required by the player. There's less hesitation. So the player becomes more confident and under less stress, so they relax more. Light and smooth, right? And when we've gone through all those routines and there's no involvement of the major muscles and again, those long levers, the bones, that the big muscles move, the player will be activating the smallest muscles to move the smallest bones to the shortest possible distances with the lightest possible pressure. Those small body components cycle over faster than the bigger, heavier, chunkier body parts. This is a no-brainer. And they move through shorter ranges. Now, given the 
the maximum speed of any movement, the shorter the range that you've got to cycle through, the faster you can execute each movement. So a long movement might take one second. A much shorter movement might take 0.1 of a second. This is simple. And when there is no unnecessary tension held in the body, there's way less friction globally. There's more speed, more agility, more relaxation. And of course, that's going to make it much more enjoyable. So I'm going to loop back to the idea of fun. This is under everything I do, and I think it's possibly the most important part of it that isn't strictly a mechanical skill. I use lots of jokes, lots of silliness, lots of playfulness, and it's all done in the framework of patience and support. I'll be very careful about the language that I use. It'll be relaxed, informal, and very, very carefully constructed to ensure that the player is encouraged. Fun part of it, I don't use the word practice, I use the word play, experimentation, exploration and mischievousness to encourage my students to muck around with the guitar when they're at home. If I tell them to go and practice, they're not going to like it. You've got to practice. Oh, please, I don't want to practice, and I certainly don't want to be told I'm 57 this week. Well, hey, happy birthday. I don't want to be told anything. And I don't have to do anything, neither do they. So what I suggest they might like to do instead is crank up their amp and annoy their parents, drive their wife potty, wind their husband up, generally get into the skin of their brother or sister. Anything that doesn't have the word practice in there is good for me, and anything that isn't compelled is good for most people. And I'll have them play music they love. It may not be my first choice today for them, but in the grand scheme of things, I'll settle for a piece of music, however it, awful it is, however, however not my bag of chips it is, as long as they get their hands on the guitar and they make a bit of noise and make some progress, I'll put up with it. Sometimes I'll choose, sometimes I'll let them choose. There's a bit of a push-pull going on there. In the main... If they're playing the music they like, they're going to have more fun. They're much more likely to play, much more likely to dance, and much more likely to think I'm a fantastic teacher. Next thing is positive encouragement at all times. However heinous an error and misunderstanding actually is, I'll try and figure out how it's a good thing. If they make a mistake, cool, they've just figured out a cool way to not do something. And if they can eliminate that and replace it with something better, they'll go faster, they'll go better, it'll be easier for them. Because there are no mistakes or errors. This is one of those underlying principles of NLP, is that there are no mistakes, there are no errors, there's just feedback. Just ways that don't produce the desired results. And we can eliminate them from our inquiries and replace them with something better. 
I tend to laugh and smile a lot. And it's completely natural for me because I'm having a good time doing what I love with people I like. I think that when I'm smiling and grinning like a lunatic, it gives them permission to do the same. I work a lot with adult males who are very, very tightly, very sort of buttoned down psychologically. A, a big part of what I do is unpick some of that stuff to give them back the permission to enjoy themselves and to make music, even though it's not financially profitable or productive in, in a, a physical sense, to, to do something for themselves. There's a big, big problem with guys who are driven and successful, which is actually my demographic. So enthusiasm is a big part of it too. There is no substitute for it. A dull, unenthusiastic teacher will kill any subject, even for a keen student. Don't be a dullard. If you're teaching what you love, and by God you should be, allow your passion for the subject, for the material, to burst out of you through every pore, every motion. And above all else, play. Above everything else, do this. Teaching is a game. It's a game, it's a game of dodge to sidestep students' defences and their beliefs in order to help them. To me, it's an endlessly absorbing game. And every student will help you to rewrite the rules, to understand the rules better. And it gives me and you as a teacher a succession of insights and ah moments and what i suggest you do when you get those just make a quick note and then jot them down at the end of the working day so that you end up with a log or a journal of all of the great things that you learned Almost like an encyclopedia of brilliant teaching insights and moments. That's a great resource you can dip into from time to time. And experience tells me that you'll be unable to remember them all. So I'll dip into my journal of teaching insights and pull one of the ideas out that I haven't used for a while and just reintroduce it to see how it runs. I'm always doing this. So that's it. That's easy, light, smooth, fast, and above all else, fun for guitarists. But I think it'll work for anything demanding a sort of technical skill, either physical or intellectual. How would you potentially implement the easy, light, smooth, and fast scheme in your speciality? And do you make it fun? Would it work? I think it probably would. And I'd love to hear your views on the matter. So let me know. It's info at neilcanwedo.com. I would love to hear from you because I'm here to learn from you guys too. Not just to share what I've learned and what I've come to understand over the years. So once again, that's info at neilcanwedo.com. And you can find me on Twitter where I am at Tutor Podcast. 
So remember, subscribe to the Tudor podcast and get all the updates and more tips to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business. And until next time, I'm Neil Camado and have yourself a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.